if you're like me, you want to get your business ahead, but there's certain skills you need, but you just don't have. If this sounds like you, then you need to head over to Fiverr. They have a whole array of professionals that can help you in different areas from design to writing, marketing, and more. They have you covered. I seriously can't tell you how much Fiverr.com has helped me along with this podcast. Um, I've used them so much for this podcast. It's been unreal. They make my flyers. They go ahead and um, I hired this guy to help me upload the each episode and in the beginning in order for me to be all over the place it was I was totally going on Fiverr it was I seriously just it's I've gotten so much for my business through them so please use my link which you can find in the description of this episode or you can go to marcellaalonzo.com and book there through Fiverr today you'll be glad you did Hello, and welcome to Get Schooled with Marcella Alonzo. Today, my guest is the beautiful Addis Fouché. Thank you so much, sweetheart. Uh, We were talking earlier, and uh, you are, how old are you, may I ask? I'm 27. 27, okay, because you said you started in 1995. Oh no, you started in 1995. I was born no, in- I, I would you no, I started in 1995, the year yeah. you were born at. So yes. when I was getting up on that pole, you were you came for life. Right. I was coming out of a coochie somewhere. Yeah, you were coming yeah. out of a coochie. So you're uh so you're you're about a couple years younger than my uh oldest daughter and uh very smart, very uh you're considered millennial, right? Or I think so. I'm like the last year of millennial, I think, because I'm 95. And I think millennial cuts off at like 96. So I call myself like a zillennial, you know, because I feel like right. I have some Gen Z characteristics, but like I'm not a Gen Z. You know what I mean? My youngest is Gen Z. Mm-hmm. My oldest is a millennial. Okay. And then I'm a Gen X. So we're Ooh. three different generations. Yeah, I'm an old. Like, yeah. Old. You know, with Gen A, like Gen Alpha, if you ask them to take a picture, they don't do this. They do this, like uh, like with a cell phone. If you like to pretend to take a picture, they'll pretend to like take a picture. Really? Or... Yeah, they don't do like this. No. Oh. I it's so know. weird. Wow. Well, <laughs> yeah, right? so, so nice to meet you. Um, Tell us a little bit about yourself so we can, my audience can learn more about you. You're so smart and so pretty and gorgeous. Thank you. So my name is Addis Fouché, born and raised in Brooklyn, New York. Um, My family's Caribbean, so I'm first gen. Um, I went to boarding school in Connecticut. It was an all-girls boarding school in Connecticut. Um, I also like spent a good amount of time at a different boarding school also in Connecticut that was co-ed. And I currently live with my boarding school friends now, which I love. It feels Mm -hmm. just like being back in the dorm. Um, And then I was a track athlete in high school and college. Um, Actually, there were two years in high school where I was undefeated for my last two years straight in high school. Um, And I ran in college where I was an economics and Chinese double major. And that is where I started doing sex work. Um, I was working in advertising. And at the time, my internship were both my internships actually were Mm -hmm. unpaid. So I'm working like 100 hours a week, making literally zero money. Mm -hmm. And my elementary school came to me and was like, hey, Addis, there's this website called Seeking Arrangement you could go on, meet these guys. And like, you know, obviously if you, you know, have sex with them, you may make more, but you don't have to. And I was like, okay, I'd be good at that. And then mm-hmm. turns out I was. So I graduated from college and was fully like a corporate digital advertising, you know, working on Bud Light, Lyft, you know, Planned Parenthood, big brands. And then at night also taking my clients. Um, and then I ended up going independent with my sex work. Um, mm-hmm. Actually, I worked um, at a an agency in Midtown for about a year and a half on and off. And I did like working with them. I'm still cool with the people who run it um, and went independent, ended up making an OnlyFans um, kind of on a whim that mm-hmm. started to do well. And at that time I was um, volunteering for Sex Workers Outreach Project and I still do a lot of advocacy work within the community. So mostly doing um, prep and distribution. So prepping like menstrual kits, safe um, sex kits, COVID use kits, stuff like that for the street workers in East New York. Mm-hmm. And someone reached out to me on Twitter and was like, hey, would you consider doing mainstream porn? And I was like, 
it makes sense why someone would ask me that, right? Like if I'm on right. TikTok and like, you know, volunteering, whatever, very public. And so I asked my volunteer friends who happen to have a lot of mutual friends with this person on Twitter, like, mm-hmm. is this guy normal? And they were like, oh yeah. So fell into mainstream porn a little over a year ago. Um, but mm-hmm. the entire time that I've been doing sex work, I've also maintained my other interests. So um, I have a startup called Bitter Blush. So bitter, like the taste and blush, like the makeup, um, uh-huh. which started as a blog to talk about stigmatized issues. So anything sex, mental health, identity related. Um, and it grew and grew, especially when lockdown was happening, because we were just on our phones talking about those kinds of things. So we're now pivoting to launching as an app. That's a subscription service where you can subscribe a la carte to learn about various types of discrimination via uh-huh. videos that feel like you're FaceTiming a friend. Um, so you oh. don't feel it. It doesn't feel like homework. And you can figure you if you're interested in like homophobia or transphobia or racism, you can pick what you'd like to learn. And it's customizable and buildable. Um, so, yeah, I do that. I That, that app would be excellent for jobs yeah. or small businesses to <laughs> Yeah, absolutely. And you can do it on your phone. Because one thing that I learned is that as we were doing our UX interviews, people were like, sometimes we don't like those corporate trainings that are about like fishing or whatever. Like it's boring and it feels impersonal, but really was sticking with a lot of people was personal stories and also feeling like they didn't have to feel embarrassed for not knowing certain things. Because I started after a while getting a lot of DMs where folks were like, Thank you so much, Addis, for posting this. I didn't know about this issue until I read it on Bitter Blush. And I was like, oh, mm-hmm. my God, so people actually really do care to learn. They just don't know where to find the information. And so they get embarrassed because they don't know what to prioritize. But mm-hmm. no one wants to be, you know, an, you know, a homophobic or, you know, racist person as much right. as we think they are. But like, it's like you don't know what you don't know. Right, right, right. Mm-hmm. Oh, that's great. Yeah, because I, I took not too long ago the sexual harassment training, mm-hmm. uh, something that was through my union or whatever to work on different productions. And I remember they it's funny, they use these stories and it'll be a man. They'll be like, uh, Sarah and uh, Samantha went to a strip club and they were talking about David dancing up there. And you see the guy uncomfortable. And I'm like... <laughs> right it's kind of corny yeah corny story corny and it feels like it's like because it's acting it doesn't feel like a situation that could be real so you know on the bitter blush app i really do want to feature people you know doing a lot of advocacy work in the communities you know sex workers people who maybe may not get airtime but i also think it's a great avenue for a lot of brands who do have a social impact focus to like kind of you know make mini courses that people can take right so there's a way um that i think information can be buildable because some folks don't even know like what LGBTQ stands for, right? And mm-hmm. there's other people who could probably debate like the differences between bisexuality and pansexuality, but you can't get to point here if you you don't have all the steps in between, you know? Right, so right. like randomly reading shit on Twitter, you know, like about stuff like this is not, I think a really good way to learn unless you already have a big base. And a lot of people don't have a big base. Right, right. I, I'll be honest. I didn't know about the pronouns until 2019. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And um, I've had tons of uh, trans friends and I'm used to saying she and her. um, But I was I was like, what? Like Mm -hmm. I was I was because I'm Generation X. We didn't have that. You know, we didn't have that was something new. But um, I read into it. You know what I'm saying? Like Mm -hmm. and then I like with some people I have to whenever I meet certain people, I'm like, I'm Generation X. So you have to bear with me I don't like absolutely yeah I volunteer actually so as a writer there's this program called empowerment app gonna shout them out right here um Mm -hmm. but writers are paired with incarcerated people and um we help them edit their writing we work together and then publish it on the outside and the person that I'm paired with he's in um Everglades Correctional so he's in Florida which is convenient Uh when I go shoot um porn in Miami and he was like look I've been in here for 30 years I know that people are talking about things in a really different way now so if I say something that's like you know off color or not quite right or offensive like please Mm -hmm. don't do it on purpose I literally just don't have the language so please correct me and I was just like yeah that's the kind of person who would absolutely love an app like this because like if you gave him Twitter and we're like look at all these tweets he would be so overwhelmed and like oh yeah he would especially if he went to prison oh he'd be like he wouldn't know what Twitter was yeah right exactly like you know if you just came across random tweets about transphobia you 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 get confused and And that's kind of when you look at too much social media you're really looking at more opinions than anything else Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. exactly so yeah yeah, I have like you know an actual um teacher on my team um she was on the team and then I actually wrote her um recommendation to get into graduate school she left the team for two years went to graduate school and then 
and came back and is now building all of our lessons. But we've done UX interviews with, you know, people who do a lot of grassroots work in Philly. We interviewed um, a first grade teacher. We interviewed this girl who's getting her psych master's at Harvard and asked them questions like, you know, how do you learn the best? Um, Uh You know, where do you like to read your information on the internet? What apps did you recently delete? You know, like what makes you motivated to learn stuff and like really found what makes people like excited to learn about this shit. Oh, that's such a great thing because somebody mm-hmm. like me that's confused mm-hmm. and I meet. <laughs> like, exactly. And it's, yeah. I think it's also kind of iconic to be like, I bootstrapped this company. I started it when I was in college and it's part mm-hmm. of the reason why I even got into advertising because there was a section on the application that I was working on for this company called Wyden and Kennedy. They're like a huge agency. They invented Nike's Just Do It slogan. They did like the Sweetie McDonald's meal and a bunch of really big things. And there was 30 seconds on the application that was optional where you could talk on video about something that's not on your resume. And Mm -hmm. I was like, oh yeah, I just started this blog. Bitter Blush is going to be pretty cool. We're having the launch party um, later this week. And they were like, we thought that was so fucking awesome. We had to bring you in for an interview. So I, you know, have been bootstrapping this company and like, you know, doing it myself with Mm -hmm. a lot of money that I used, um, that I got from sex work. So it literally, it's born from- So you you invested that. I love hearing Mm -hmm. that when sex workers use their money to invest in other businesses, like I've invested into the podcast and I've invested Mm -hmm. into building my YouTube and other stuff that is, that I'm monetized with. I love hearing that because, you know, sex work is only temporary. Absolutely. You know, you you can't keep on doing it. It's a lot of work and we have to have other avenues of money. So that's Mm -hmm. great that you you started young and then you finished college, right? Oh, yes. I graduated 2017. um, Uh Economics and Chinese double. Um, So I speak fluent Chinese. Yeah, yeah. So what Um, brought you to want to learn Chinese? So my parents actually put me in a dual language elementary school when I was in kindergarten. So I started learning when I was five and I love Chinese because it's Mm -hmm. such an old culture. Like Mm -hmm. you can even see how characters used to be written like centuries and centuries ago and how they've transformed. Mm -hmm. Um, And there's just so many logical rules to speaking Chinese that I just found it really fascinating. There's always something new to learn. And I kept learning it from kindergarten into boarding school, into college and the school that I went to, which is called Middlebury College, um, has the best language program in the country. Like CIA and the FBI literally recruit from Middlebury. Um, oh, wow. Those jobs? No, because my Chinese professor was like, Addis, you are so good at Chinese. However, please do not apply for these jobs because you literally cannot shut the fuck up. And I was like, that is so true because I'd be spilling the Area 51 tea if I could. <laughs> <laughs> so she actually discouraged you, though, from. Wow, yeah, he was like, she's... you know, literally like his, um, his name was Mu Laoshi. So Laoshi is teacher and then Mu was his surname. Um, wow. He was like, you're so good at Chinese, but that is not the job for you. And I was like, I'm so glad that he he wanted me to go in the other direction. <laughs> My accounting teacher told me I did, I should become an accountant. <laughs> like, yeah. Look no, at because believe it or not, I went, I took calculate. Like nobody knows. I'm really good with numbers. Okay. And I'm really good with, uh, but I, I, I went up to calculus in college. I didn't fit. I was nine hours short yeah. of finishing um, college and I paid for it all myself. Mm-hmm. It's stripping. Um, yep. But I remember my accounting teacher um, was like, wow, you're really good because it was like a game mm-hmm. in my mm-hmm. head. So we're certain things we're good at. And it's good. We have good teachers, some good professors sometimes to guide us sometimes. Right. We we need yeah. more sex workers who know how to use Excel, you know? Yeah. <laughs> me, yeah. That's me. I can do a V lookup while I'm, you know, uploading shit to OnlyFans at the same time. You feel me? <laughs> oh, wow. So yeah. when you were in college um Mm -hmm. you got scholarships or what was uh yeah so I was actually on the New Balance scholarship because Uh I ran track so my primary event in track was um the mile so my mile time from college is a 517 like I was an athlete down um I've run two half marathons this year alone I have one wow and I've run um two 10ks I have one more 5k left so I do a race about every other month um and I've been running since I was like 12 so um it's just always been something that I did but I literally got into college because I was smart and also an athlete and I used that as my way to get into college and you know the New Balance scholarship really did help me out a lot Oh, that's great to hear. And when you started sex, how was it in the beginning when you first started sex work while you were in college and all that? Like, yeah, you know, at, 
at first I didn't really tell anybody because I didn't know like uh-huh. how to tell anybody because I only did it when I came back home to New York. Um, so for summers, holidays, um, and then eventually I had a few virtual clients as I like built up more of a base. Uh-huh. And at first I just didn't know what I was doing, right? Like, you know, dudes would totally be time wasters and like I was taking 200 an hour and like I thought like that was really it, right? But I think honestly, the thing about sex work is that you have to be such a good communicator and a clear communicator, right? Yes. Because otherwise, yeah. like, if you give them an inch, they'll take 10 miles. So that honestly kind of, you know, bled over into my personal life where I was really communicative eventually, like with my friends, with my family, you know, with my partners, with people that I worked with, because like, I know the benefits that come from just like communicating clearly and being honest. And Mm -hmm. I think as a sober person now that has helped me so, 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 so much um, because it's so much mental energy to keep track of like what lies you told certain people and like who you should block and who you should mention something to or not mention something to. And now, I put all of that mental energy, you know, into developing my work and developing my businesses. Um, There's a couple more coming in the pipeline that I can't quite announce yet. Mm -hmm. Uh, But yeah, so instead of that, you know, I can focus on like being my best self and like performing really well on camera because like you can't shoot for bang bros and be like totally drunk. That's not going to look good. good. Yeah. Oh, so you were how long have you been sober? Yeah. So I started um, drinking and doing drugs when I was 14 at boarding Uh school. Because I went to school with a lot of real one percenters. Um, so like, uh, you know, Kennedy's at school, that type of thing, which is really, wow. really a very yeah. And so like I'm here trying to keep up with these people academically, physically, everything, and doing you doing sex work at the same time. I also worked at the library cafe as a barista. So I did that for Damn, when did you have time to even study doing all this? I I why was I a double major on top of that, right? Like oh, it was wow. yeah, and I was, you know, like every time I went out, I would black out. I was doing a lot of cocaine. So I, at a certain point, um, was doing about two grams of cocaine every day. Wow. Yeah. I'm very lucky to be alive. Very lucky yeah. to be alive. Um, so I went to um, treatment in 2019. So I took time off from work um, mm-hmm. to do that. And then I went to treatment again at the beginning of 2021. Um, and my best friends actually held an intervention for me and they told my mom. And I remember being with my mom oh, today and I was like, oh, mom, I'm so excited to see my friends. You know, we never hang out as a group anymore. I'm so excited to do this. Bye, mom. And then I like, you know, enter this intervention scenario they're like and we told your mom and I was like I feel like an idiot um so yeah I went back at the beginning of 2021 I was there for about two months and um, I went to Hazelden Betty Ford which is known as one of the best in the country um I really only got into that program because um I was doing my psych evaluation at Beth Israel Hospital in New York and Mm -hmm. everybody on the team who was evaluating me um was white except for one man who was a black man and they Mm -hmm. all like oh she's not that bad like we don't need to get for a bed whatever right and right. the black man came to me afterwards and was like I know that if you go back out there you're going to die and that there's something special about you and I just can't let that happen so I will find you the best program that I can find and he did he got me into Hazelden and Betty Ford which is about $35,000 a month and I wow. was there for months and I only paid for one day he really worked with my insurance you know what the, this is something where representation is so important because mm-hmm. um when you when I personally bring up stuff because I am lighter skin or whatever, but mm-hmm. I am Hispanic and my both of my daughters are um I have one daughter that's Afro-Latina and I have another daughter um that is uh she's more she's more fair like me. Mm-hmm. And um it's something about representation. We need it in, in different fields for mm-hmm. every everything we need because my youngest told me something that kind of shocked me because growing up she was you know surrounded by a lot of good people and you know she did acting she did stuff and I said you know and I I was pointing out to some of her friends and she goes mom they're white they can walk in they can do whatever they could and and I noticed she always gravitated to hanging out with more um I raised her in LA so I she gravitated more um towards hanging out with some of the Mexican kids El Salvadorian kids and all that we're we're Cuban and Puerto Rican um but she had like all different friends growing up. And I brought up something. I said, you had this opportunity. You had that. And she goes, mom, this is the thing. When you walk in the room of anywhere for an opportunity, and then there's all white people, they're going to give them more favoritism. Mm -hmm. And I noticed now as an adult, like, you know, she's very independent. She's going to school now. Um, Finally, she took that year off. Mm -hmm. Uh, The generation's where they take that year off but um, oh yeah the gap year oh god that gap year but uh she she was telling me how she felt uncomfortable mm-hmm. 
my oldest was telling me she's in law school and she's like, uh, mom, you know, like these recruiters come from these corporate companies and they're, you know, they, they target either the white kids or they target the Asian kids. And I said, mm-hmm. well, what about the Spanish kids? You know, what about that? She goes, they kind of like, just ignore. Yeah. yeah. And Absolutely. so it's people get mad when they see different forms of representation, but it's, it's true. And it's sometimes that, you know, um, it's that black man probably saw you like you're a relative. You get what I'm saying? Like a sister. Absolutely. Because, right. Yeah. And, and, and the fact and, that he knew that I was like, you know, I had something to offer, even though we only met, you know, in right. that moment. Yeah. Um, and the, I mean, he truly saved my life. And he was like, yeah. I'm going to call you when you get out. And I'm, I'm going to check on you. And he really did. So I, I owe that person my entire life. And like, as soon as I got out of my program, I was like, I'm not even starting from ground zero. I'm starting at ground negative one, negative two. Like I really had to build myself back up from the ground up. And um, my mom was like, you know, just focus on, you know, getting one thing done per day, whether it's brushing your teeth, you know, taking a shower, eating food, one thing, Mm -hmm. it doesn't matter what time you do it. And sometimes Mm -hmm. that leads me to doing two or even three things or sometimes none. But like the fact that I was just like, you need to start with the basics and then build yourself back up. So the way yeah. that I eat now, the way that I, you know, work, the way that I, you know, interact with people is so different now because I was able to build that back up. But you're totally right. Like, I feel like as someone who um, is more of a palatable black person, right? Like I don't scare as many white people because I talk the way that I talk, you know, I right. think schools like I you know highly educated worked at two of the top advertising agencies in the world um that like a lot of times it was kind of a hard blow especially when I got out of rehab to know that a lot of my white friends didn't not like me or like black people they just liked being around me to check a, a box and be like no I have a black friend look it's Addis yeah and she's, they, well, she's smart and she's all these things right and yeah. if I called them out on something and they wouldn't necessarily always break off the friendship because whatever I had to say was easier to swallow because of how I look and how I am and where I'm from. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, having two parents who went to college, you know, and other things like that, having a lot of things in common, being from a city. So um, yeah. And even in the porn industry, like I feel like a lot of the dudes that I work with either really love me because I like have my shit together and they want to shoot again and again and again. Like mm-hmm. when I shot with Net Video Girls, that was my very first scene ever. It's on um, Pornhub with over a million views. They shot me like five times after that because they were like, oh, you're easy talent to work with. Or people hate me because they try to pull one over on me and they realize that they can't and they get mad. Right. And also sometimes there's a sense of uh, certain people I've noticed in sex work that don't have their shit together. They get jealous. Yes, they do. They get they- jealous. And, 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 um, I call it for me, the novella syndrome. Um, when I deal with other Latin women, I don't know if you experienced this, but I've dealt with like certain, I call it the novella syndrome because I wasn't raised watching novellas. So growing novellas are those drama for people that don't know what they are, though they're the Latin soap operas. So mm-hmm. um, my father's mother, who's Cuban, never allowed me to watch none of that. It was, you had to watch Sesame Street and that was it. Yeah. And um the reason I say novella syndrome is I often meet other women that are, sim- you know, there's always this, you know, similar in race. Um, we're somewhat similar in looks because I always notice it's like the jet black hair or uh, something similar. And they they're kind of like toxic and it's about like a relationship or, you know what I'm saying? Or and like I even had one girl I'll never forget. um at the height of my, like, uh, I remember at one time I owned three houses at once when I was uh-huh. dancing. And um, she told me, you know, you're going to always be single. Men don't like independent women. Um, oh. She told me yeah. that. Yeah. So so I've I've noticed that, too, um, within my, like, own culture where I get certain people, they either love me and they want to be around me or they have it's like this toxic when they're too much like me it's this toxic I call it the novella syndrome um but they're jealous like they because they're stuck in some uh they're stuck in ways because of cultural ways Mm -hmm. you you, you know what I'm saying that they thought like this is how things need to be you know what I'm saying and uh, disappointing that it like feels like it needs to be a competition yeah Um, yeah, I saw a tweet the other day that was like, look, all of us in porn used to be the the hottest, craziest, most controversial girls at our high school. And now we're all in the same industry. And like, we can't treat it like that because that's all of us, you know? Yeah. That's true. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, it, there's so many different 
people in sex work and they everybody has so many different personalities oh my god so true so true yeah yeah Yeah. I'm definitely someone who's like yeah if we're gonna collab let's FaceTime feel the vibe out because it's so much easier to get a face-to-face like you know if you want me to bring certain outfits or whatever if you have like a certain idea versus just showing up being like oh like what do we do right because that's just like because I have like a corporate background being like why would I show up to a meeting unprepared you know right 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 yeah yeah yeah. No, that's a good idea to FaceTime though. That's a really good idea before yeah. to, to get the vibe and mm-hmm. to, I stopped. It's been about a year that I was like, you know what? I don't want to collab anymore. Um, yeah. I just didn't feel because I've been in the business so long. Um, I just certain people, I wasn't, there's so many different practices that I wasn't comfortable with. Yeah. Yeah. That makes yeah. sense. Absolutely. And then because I'm like, kind of like, also, there's a part of me that wants to leave. And then I'm working with people that want to stay in. And Mm -hmm. you know what I'm saying? And I'm like, listen, I'm doing other ventures. Do not post this. Like, right, right. Yeah. So it's like, because I have other ways of making money, you know, Mm -hmm. and and you want to keep on making that other money other than sex work. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, right now. I mean, I can like kind of tell the audience a little sneak peek of what I'm working on. So one of them is like a um a like a nonprofit for addiction recovery. And then the other one is like an avenue for porn stars to kind of break into more mainstream roles and also like more aesthetically pleasing porn. Because I feel like honestly, Oh, you and I need to talk later then. We, we, <laughs> we will honest- talk later off the record. We will talk yes, later because yes. I have to I have to t- and you're in Brooklyn. Well, you're not in Brooklyn right now. You're in LA. LA, right right now in LA but I live in Brooklyn from Brooklyn okay. raised, like yeah it's so hard to find native New Yorkers these days real hard I know it's yeah. and do you tell me this do you find like New York has changed since the pandemic yes so I grew up in Fort Greene so like okay right I know where the center not yeah. on the park side but more on the Barclays Center side there used to be a golden crust on Fulton Street like right by like Havana outpost mm-hmm. that there used to be a golden crust there now that like that's where broccoli city and like slutty i'm like the neighborhood has changed honestly there's only one place in the neighborhood that is exactly the same and that is um the barbershop and actually when i was in (laughs) kindergarten i asked my dad if i could cut all my hair off and he was like what and i was like yeah i don't feel like i need hair and it's kind of takes a long time to comb and can we just cut it off so he cut off my little afro puff and then we went to the barber that's right on fulton street and they shaved my head and i kept it like that up until about the fourth or fifth grade um, and I feel like my like whole, like, you know, just like being myself attitude actually came from my aunt, who's my dad's older sister. Mm-hmm. Um, she always had long nails, which kind of inspired me to always have my nails on. And mm-hmm. she was sitting in her room, chain smoking as usual. And mm-hmm. I was like, auntie, like all the kids at school are making fun of my hair. And she puts out her cigarette and she goes, I mean, how do you feel about it? I was like, I like, it. and she goes, well, fuck the kids. And like, in my, <laughs> it was like my first thought was, oh my God, she said the F word. But then like my second thought was like, you know what? She's right. And like, that was really that on that for me. Yeah. Um, yeah. The neighborhood's changed so much. And it's weird because my house in Fort Greene looks really different or the house I grew up in looks different from the other houses. Right. And I'm talking to one of my friends from college about it. She just moved from San Francisco, barely knew the city. And I was, she was like, where did you grow up again? I'm like, Fort Greene. I'm like, oh yeah, my house looked like this, blah, blah, blah. And she was like, you grew up at, and spits out my home address. And I was like, how do you know that? Like, it's not even a number three. Why do you know that? And she was like, I know the people who live there now. And it's like five University of Pennsylvania frat bros who gutted the house and put a fucking sauna oh. in there. And it rents for 13 grand a month. What the hell? Yeah, no, yeah, the house dead. I grew up in. It's insane. So I, you know, firsthand, I'm like, this is so weird. The neighborhood's really, really changed a lot. Like Fort Greene used to be like where artsy black folks lived. And now it's like, you know, interracial couples with strollers. I don't like the vibe. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, it's 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 I I'll be honest with you. Um I was living in Brooklyn and right now I kind of like Queens cuz I feel it's more diverse in Queens and I feel like a better energy for me. Mm-hmm. And um I I had an incident. I had somebody follow me home one day. Yo. And they're like, "Mommy, oh yeah, mommy." Like and I was like, "Yo, you don't even speak Spanish. What the right and I had a German I have a German shepherd and I just the the dog took like he did he just showed him his teeth and he left but I was like I'm like over in my neighborhood I'm tired of getting hola mommy yeah Uh, like that it was just annoying and Mm -hmm. um so I um and then after that incident I'm just not really happy with living in Brooklyn and then Bushwick I could never get in I got like denied housing (laughs) 
Oh my God. Bushwick <laughs> is literally like, oh my God. It's, I feel like it's what Williamsburg wants to be, you know? Yeah. They, yeah, they, yeah, yeah. like, I, like, like I've never, um, I've received housing discrimination like multiple times. Actually, when I first moved to LA, I was discriminated for housing, Um, but I got it in Bushwick twice Uh and, and everything on paper was my money was good. My credit was good. Uh, And what was the problem? My my full name, you know what I'm saying? So, Mm because on paper, you know what I'm saying? I've got like this. (laughs) That's actually the reason why my, my parents named me Addis because they were like, we want something that's like traditionally black. So Addis is the capital of Ethiopia. So they want it to have roots, but they didn't want it on a resume to read as a black person, just in case. Because they were like, yeah. what if you get discriminated against, right? Right. Um, so, yeah, which is, I didn't, I Yeah, them- and my sister's name, her sister, my sister's um, got an Amer. I have, um, my real name is really Spanish. So, yeah. <laughs> really, really Spanish. So, and then I have a couple other last names. So, yes. on paper, I just scream like immigrant, even though uh-huh. I was born here. Um, but my sister's got like an all American name and she's never had the issues I've had. Mm-hmm, on mm-hmm. Well, but then again, she's never, she's always lived in Florida. So like, she, yeah. Oh, true, yeah. True, true, true. yeah. 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 So also, honestly, having immigrant parents really teaches you about the hustle. Like it really, really, really does. Oh yeah. 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 Well, <laughs> my father was born in Cuba, but my mother was, she's technically American citizen because she's Puerto Rican, but you do mm-hmm. have to, yeah, you do have to having immigrant family, you, you, you come here and you got to hustle. Yeah. Which I feel like honestly made, you know, my career in corporate, but also as a sex worker and an entrepreneur, like possible, because I'm like, okay, I know that I have boom, boom, boom to go today. I'm just going to like crank it out. And it's like a mentality and like a working style that, you know, does afford me like a lot of productivity, but also I think people who are not used to it, like can't develop it um, at like a later age. Yeah. Yeah. No. And and sometimes people are like, wow, you're so smart. You do this. Wow. You think, but you have to for survival. Absolutely. Absolutely. Like people don't understand that. Yeah. Yeah. So that's literally what I'm, you know, hopefully going to be talking about at South by South. Oh, good, Um, good. Yeah. Literally just like, you know, how, you know, the immigrant hustle, the woman hustle, sex worker hustle, right. Trans women, black women is like what makes us so able to really innovate and be like, okay, like I need to pivot my life because of this discrimination, this circumstance. And people don't really understand that because like, Mm -hmm. even with me with the housing discrimination and you know, like I have to break it down. And then I told certain people and they're like, that doesn't happen. Wow. Uh -uh." Like then they'll like, they'll, and I always, they, when you tell people, like I've told people, like I've gotten Mm -hmm. an Uber before and the guy goes, did you come here legally or illegally? Oh my God. And I was like, I was born here. Like, yeah. Like I, what the hell? Like how much more? You know what I'm saying? And then from the Spanish community, I get that I'm not Latin enough. So yeah, it's really like uh, it's it's real. People don't understand. You know, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. they're in denial, or uh, they'll be like, "You, but you look Italian, though." No, 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 no. I hate that when they say that. <laughs> I'm like, shut the fuck up. They didn't. They called me a spick. They didn't call me anything mm-hmm. else. They didn't call me like I had to tell somebody that recently. But nobody. Yeah, it changes the tune. You're so nice. Such a nice girl. Like mm-hmm. a nice young, smart girl. Right. <laughs> um. So tell me, when you got into sex work and you mm-hmm. were you were you were using did that? Do you think? Do you feel like? you got into sex work, but you weren't sober or did it escalate or tell me about like that process? Yeah. So I started, you know, drinking and doing drugs when I was 14 and I got Uh into sex work when I was 19. So I was already an addict. Like you were already an addict before. Yeah. For years. And like, I started doing this at boarding school um, with older girls in the dorm and like, you know, if stuff was around, I would do it. If it wasn't, I didn't really think about it. Um, So it was more like if it's around and then in college it progressed because things are available so much easier. And also people are Mm -hmm. older being more. Um, And then also everything in New York, is available like at this point even I can look at a car and know oh that's a runner car right because why is that yeah. man getting into the back of that car with a blinking taillight you know that doesn't make any sense yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah so yeah. um um I honestly think of like my substance use and my start in the sex industry as like parallel lines like I wasn't using with clients really um okay maybe I would like do a line before I saw them but they were really not things that like were as intertwined maybe okay. aside from being like oh I need more money I should work more but it was never more like um, they were encouraging me to do it. In fact, okay. I used to 
did not want them to know that I was doing it. <laughs> oh, okay. Well, because mm-hmm. some some people I know of, I was a stripper for many years, and yeah. they became sober, and then it was hard for them to dance. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. I was saying I've always been I've always been the one where I've had to be sober to work. Yeah, yeah. I feel so, like it also makes a much more authentic experience. Too. Yes. Yeah. Like, let's say you don't have anything and then you don't want like that client to feel like, oh, like, I don't know why today was an off day. Like, oh, I'm never going right. to book again. Right. But when you became sober, was mm-hmm. sex work, did it become more easier for you? Or how was your, like, once you became sober and you did sex work, how did that? Feel? Yeah, you know, it actually became a lot easier for me because I felt like I was so much more able to like, pay attention to like, what the other person was reacting to. I was able to stay in the zone more. I was able to look more interested and like mm-hmm. actually feel experiences. So if I was feeling any pain or discomfort or enjoyment, that was so much more easier to be in, in tune with or easier to be in tune with. Um, yeah. Oh, okay. Now, when now you're sober mm-hmm. and how is it connecting with other sober people for you? You know, actually, it's really not that hard. And like for me, I had to make it as hard for myself to find substances. So I deleted, you know, and blocked all the numbers, you know, on my uh, my iPad, my phone, my computer, even my Apple Watch. Because, girl, I would really be sitting there on that little tiny screen, like scrolling back <laughs> I'm trying to find, you know, my dealer's number, right? Um, and then it got to a point where I was like, you know what, Addis? Substances are going to be around whether you're sober or not. Like, you're a pretty girl. You could walk into any bar in New York and be like, oh my God, hi, I'm Addis. Can I have a line? You know, but you have to be able to be like, this journey is so much bigger than that. Um, and and so, you have to be strong. Right. You have to, or at least know that like it's going to be around. It's up to you to decide, mm-hmm. really and truly. So, um, yeah, I still go out. Um, I was actually at a New York Fashion Week party last year, and someone was like, Oh, do you have any blow? And I was like, I don't do that anymore. I don't have it on me anymore. And they were like, Oh, right. I'm like, yeah, people change. But I think a lot of people who know me for a really long time are relieved that I'm actually a lot more fun to be around because I'm not like sloppy drunk or like, you know, um, like running off to the bathroom every, you know, 20 minutes or anything. And um, I actually tried my first time trying to be sober was April 15th, 2018. I remember that date so clearly because I, for no reason at all, fucked my best friend's boyfriend. Did I like him? No. Had he had a thing for me since we were 15? Yes. But like, really, it was just, we were doing coke together at another Mm. friend's party and then it just kind of happened. And I had no reason to do it other than like, oh, I was fucked up, but that's a really, really cruel thing to do. And so that kind of um, caused me to really reevaluate. But because at that time I was also training for the New York marathon for the first time, I kind of just used running as an excuse, right? Kind of like, oh, I can't go out tonight. I have to run 15 miles tomorrow. And then once the race was over, I was like, okay, well, I guess I can go back, which, you know, Mm -hmm. really works out. So um, yeah, I feel like, you know, 12 step programs were not really for me, um, Mm -hmm. which is why I'm, you know, developing this like um, recovery nonprofit and program. Um, And the ideology behind 12 step programs is like, oh, just like go to meetings and like, you'll be better. You'll be fine. Right. Which like, isn't necessarily true. Um, I ended up just like twiddling my thumbs in my room, thinking about all the things I couldn't do. Right. And then I'd be like, right. ah, and then go back out. But when I was like, yeah, you know, I want to go to soul cycle more. I want to learn how to knit. I want to be a better friend and like volunteer more. That's when I started developing that faithful life, which gives me reason to just be myself. Mm, finding different activities, sober activities to help yeah. you be yourself. That's what helped you cope to be sober. Absolutely. Because, you know, yeah. if I want that thankful life, I have to go do things to get it, not just like go to meetings nonstop. That doesn't right. give me that thankful life. I don't want to sit in a church basement for the rest of my life in order to keep right. me safe. Maybe. Some people, it is beneficial for them to <laughs> go to meetings. And if that works for them, that's good. But you, yeah. you know, for people that are not, um, cause I have a cousin that is recovering now. And mm-hmm. I said, why don't you go to meetings? And she was like, and th- she lives in Florida. She doesn't live in New York mm-hmm. and she doesn't live in like LA where they have the good meetings. Yeah. Um, right. <laughs> and, and, uh, she was like, I would go to them and I would get harassed by these guys. 13 and, yeah. Yeah. And, and, and so she shared with me, she felt uncomfortable. And then I was like, damn, not every city has those meetings. Mm-hmm. So what does somebody do that's trying to get, but you've got to find, you've got to find activities. Like you said, different things, volunteer more. You wanted to knit. What do you want to do? 
Oh, yeah. I mean, I was even slut shamed for being a sex worker and going to meetings, right? Like, I couldn't even be my own. Oh, that's terrible. It was was really awful. Yeah. I remember, um, like, hearing a friend of mine um, talk about a different meeting that she was going to in LA. Mm -hmm. She was like, yeah, there's this guy who's just really creepy to a lot of the younger women. And that term is called 13th stepping, right? When usually a older, more established man is creepier to a woman who's usually less established and newer to the program. And I was Mm -hmm. like, what are they going to do about it? And she was like, I guess he's just not going to be allowed to mix meetings. And I was like, that is not the solution. That is not the solution because he's still going to be a predator wherever he goes. Right. And, they, you know? yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. Wherever he yeah. goes. Exactly. Mm-hmm. Yeah, no, that's, that's, you know, people are trying to get help and sometimes, you know, predators are everywhere, you know, and you just have mm-hmm. to be careful. Yeah. Well, that's good that you found all these activities to mm-hmm. help you stay sober for you to continue. And I love the fact that you're working on other ventures because, a lot of sex workers come in, they think it's easy money and they have no, you know, nothing else in their place. And you kind of need um, that normal, you know, that normal, be around normal, not norm, the normies or be around vanilla people, whatever we call them. We call yeah, them civilians. Yeah. We need that because it is a reality check. It is. And it also like, I feel like I love when my friends who are not in the industry come to me for sex related stuff. Like I had a friend come to me the other day and be like, Hey, like I'm having a lot of trouble bottoming. Like as a gay man, it's like really embarrassing. (laughs) I know you just shot this anal scene with bang bros. Like, can you tell me like how, you know, how to do it better? Or, Or another friend was like, Hey, like, you know, of any like sex shops that I can go to in Brooklyn um, that might have stuff that are like introductory for me. I'm thinking of being more adventurous and truly I love that I am seen as a resource in my personal life for like to come to with sex mm-hmm. stuff, for people to talk to me about stuff like that. Um, yeah. It's like really kind of validating. And then I'm in the same vein, a lot of sex industry people talk to me about like other stuff too. So I feel like I have a really great balance in my life. Yeah. Your generation is more open than, um, to sex work than my generation. My generation is yeah. a lot different because everybody I went to school with, like I'm talking high school is so different. I could mm-hmm. never talk with them or discuss certain things or share with them. Yeah. Absolutely. You know what I mean? Yeah. Would, yeah. Would... I did have a cousin that's, um, she's a year older than me. She was a dancer. So, mm-hmm. um, I can share stuff. We, we get it. It is fun. Yeah, yeah, we get it. We get it. We get it. Yeah. Also, too, I do a lot of like, um, like, uh, mutual aid stuff. So, like, mm-hmm. a lot of times, um, sex workers who are not face out or name out, like myself, and I know that that's more of a rarity, will come to me and be like, "Hey, like, I need, you know, some crowdsourcing. Like, would you mind posting on your socials?" And I'm like, "Yes, absolutely." Like, you know, using like the privilege and like the platform that I do have to help folks, um, because it's like really important. I feel like homophobia, yes. you know, I hate that. Like a lot of, you know, the OnlyFans girls think they're better than the porn stars who think they're better oh, than the service yeah. workers who think they're better than the street workers. And I'm like, you know, we all suck dick for money. We've all done it. Like yeah. let's, let's cut the bullshit. Cause if none of us are free, none of us are getting free. Well, I say with sex work, we're all under this umbrella mm-hmm. and it's a beautiful umbrella. And I like to showcase all forms of sex work, but what mm-hmm. I, I feel like, and I've said this recently to another friend, I, for as long as I've known, this is the weird thing. When I, for a long time, when I, I dance, I never shared that I dance with anybody or whatever, not because I was ashamed. And I'm going to tell you why, mm-hmm. because people love to overcharge sex workers. Uh-huh. They like to gouge them. They like to think we make so much money. Mm-hmm. We, um, and then now I feel like when OnlyFans came on, there was a lot of girls like announcing their incomes and I'm like, shut up. Yeah, right. Literally. Shut the hell up. Like, <laughs> I know it's, and also too, I feel like half of them are faking it. I'm sorry. Like, oh I, yeah, yeah, yeah. But they're not telling you the full logistics of stuff. Not. But for instance, when I was trying to start this podcast, a producer came to me and then he's like, oh, I'll do it uh, 500 an episode. And I was like, and then he's like, oh, you can't have an episode. And I'm talking from home via Zoom telling me. Right. And I was like, what the hell would I be paying $500 for? And um, again, like they look at your, they, and and I just, I went and I did my research. I'm smart. I figure mm-hmm. stuff out. You you get what I'm saying? I'm a hustler yeah. and I figured out how to do it. And I was like, screw this guy. Like, what was he thinking? And, and again, they, they look at the OnlyFans and they think, um, you know, it's okay to charge us to, and there's a lot of people like that. And that's the, that's the thing I hate 
about um, sex work the most is people seem to think we make so much money, but there is a need for mutual aid. Absolutely. Um, I think that like work. a lot of it isn't like expensive. Like you have to pay for your testing. You have to pay for flights, outfits, because God forbid you wear the same lingerie and two right. videos, you know, it's yeah. so much more expensive than you would think. Also too, like having to be hot at all times, at all times. Like I need yeah. the hair done, the lashes on the nails done, because if you get called into set, and your toes are looks looking like crusty, musty, dusty. Right. That's the focus of the scene because why are your feet looking like that? Right, you know? right, right. Or just any type of sex worker. Like when I danced, you had to have the right shoes. Yep. When you webcam, you have to have the right computer, the right software. When you do OnlyFans, you might need to hire an assistant. Like I have an assistant that helps me um, put stuff on the feed. Yes. You know, um, there's a lot of expenses that go into sex work for um, escorts. Arrows has been ridiculous for a lot of. Oh my God. Yeah. Yeah. I looked at how much it costs to put up a national ad these days. And I was like, what? Yeah. Yeah. It's gotten really complicated. Um, And I can say one thing, Foster Sester really affected a lot of people and people were that campaign for human trafficking, which such BS because they were, remember they were scaring people with, oh, don't go to Walmart. They're going to, right? yeah, yeah. And on my vanilla Facebook, there would be this woman that'd be like, oh my gosh, I can't go to Walmart. And I wanted to type in so badly. Nobody wants you. You you know what I'm saying? Nobody. Right. I know it's so funny when people say that. I'm like, do you think you're that attractive that people would snatch you up to do some human trafficking? Which I know is a really, really hot take, but I'm just like, do you really think you're the one in danger? Think yeah. critically, you know? Yeah. Um, and out of all the years of me um, being in sex work, I've never seen anything with, I've never encountered anybody with underage stuff or whatever. Mm-hmm. I've honestly never seen any of that. Like I would report it in a second if I saw it, but I've never seen anything. And when I used to dance, if I got a teacher, I'd be like, oh, con- thank you for coming in for liking a real woman. <laughs> yes, exactly. Exactly. No, but you're, you're totally right. I honestly um, am someone in the industry who like, if I know that someone is a predator, I won't work with them, right? If I, you know, see somebody's on a blacklist, I won't take them on. I'll just be like, oh, I'm busy. And then I block them, right? Because it's so much more important to like, think about the community and think long-term than it is to make a quick buck. Right, right, exactly. You've got to think about the community. And it's so nice to hear that you're, you're young and you say that because, a lot of people are coming in and doing things that are hurting sex workers um, and they don't even realize it. Right. And, and yeah. honestly, that's why I do love doing a lot of the volunteering with SWAT, because I think like, you know, there's such a huge gap between the street workers who are often. Now, which SWAT are you working with? I've worked with um, Brooklyn Swap, which actually has um, disbanded. Very yeah, they, they closed. I got involved yeah. before the pandemic. Um, mm-hmm. I didn't have that great of experience before the pandemic, but um but current, I did do an episode with Suede. You might want to look into them because um, I interviewed one of, oh, I can't remember her name, but I, it was a very good episode. But Suede is, um, I was very impressed with a lot of stuff that they're doing with Suede and they do want other chapters. Awesome. Yeah, I would love yeah. to help. Yeah, I, you know, um, talked a little bit with um, Blue Stockings or Alyssa Strata. So I know that there's uh-huh. like a bunch of other orgs, but yeah, I, you know, mutual yeah. aid really matters to me it um, is and I love the way suede has a program with kids going to they were doing something with kids going to school for sex mm-hmm. workers if they can't afford it and people don't realize like when I used to dance in Vegas I'd have to walk in the door and pay 150 dollars to go work right yeah right. people don't realize like they think that we're every day making all this money mm-hmm. it comes in easy they don't realize the expense and it, it's um, there is a need for mutual aid for, you know, when people do need help. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Um, yeah. And I also do think like, you know, even the sex workers who struggle with addiction, there are many, like I yeah. recently did a workshop um, with a bunch of other SWAT members on um, harm reduction as sex workers. Cause I was like, those are two things that really matter to me. Cause you know, if I see another person who needs help and I have Narcan and I know how to administer it, you bet yeah. you're out pulling it out of my purse. Right, right, yeah. Mm-hmm. So what are your plans for the future now? What do you, I, you have all these great things. What would yeah. you like to see for the future you know, for yourself? I would say like all of my ventures have to do with community building, whether it's mm-hmm. Bitter Blush and the app um, 
or it's, you know, the uh, addiction recovery nonprofit or, you know, developing the, you know, more robust porn studio. It's all about people being able to be seen um, in a multifaceted way, including myself. And that's why I kind of take, took on the moniker Internet's Most Relatable Whore, because I feel like with mm-hmm. a lot of sex workers, you don't know, like, um, what they do on the weekends or what their voice even sounds like, stuff like that. Right. And- really easy to not humanize us. So I think, um, you know, I hope that my businesses can like kind of um, go as far as they can to create more community spaces. But I think personally, um, I would just like to see myself continuously um, strive to like keep myself in a really happy place um, and to continue to like just be satisfied. But in terms of my career, um, I want to write a book. Um, I do. Oh, wow. Yeah. So I hope that I can write a book and, you know, do a lot more public speaking um, if it's at South by Southwest, if it's anywhere else. So to just kind of spread this message that like sex workers can be who they want to be and they don't have to be who you think they need to be. Mm-hmm. Oh, I love that. And I I love the, everything that you're saying. That's great. And I love how did you the, you came up with this term basically because you are relatable, the most relatable. Literally, yes. Yeah. It's funny because a lot of times people will tell me they're like, oh, my God, I love how open you are about doing sex work. I've never met a sex worker before. And I'm like, you probably have. And you just didn't know it. You know, I just don't share because I don't feel like being over. I've been through it because of all the years. Yeah. And I, I don't want to be overcharged when this person's paying this price and then you're mm-hmm. tra- over. Yeah. Like, I also, totally like, don't want to be. Yeah. And I also announce like all, all the time, like on my socials that I'm sober. I feel like if you know me a little bit, you know that I'm sober and you know that I'm a sex worker Um, because it keeps me accountable. Right. Like it's, right. it's really, really hard for me to get a lot of substances. Like if you know, like. Because people will be like, wait, aren't you sober? And I'll be like, yeah, that's so true. You know? <laughs> yeah, no, that's good also. So other sober people can seek like in the business mm-hmm. friendship or, yes. okay, like there is an event. What are we going to do afterwards? You get what yeah. I'm saying? And you see that group like go away and they're going to go do that A-ball, but you're like over there, you know, you've got to find your community. I've always been sober. Like I've done my fair share of different stuff and I do sure. drink once in a while, but I very... Ever, I'm a child of an addict. My father died of prescription drugs and I have friends that were addicts, but um, I, if I have respect when my friends are around, I don't even take a drink if there's, you know, sober. And yeah. now because I'm older, I can't handle anything. For real, for real. I was recently dating this guy who's like 33 and he had a two day hangover. I was like, be so fucking for real. What do you mean your hangover is two days? And he was like, I'm in my thirties. And I was like, true. So true. <laughs> Yeah. No, older, I can't do pass. I can only do one drink. Mm-hmm. Um, I can't do two drinks or I feel it. Mm-hmm. Like that's how weak I am. So I just now like, I, I and then I'm trying not to even drink because of the sugars and the aging, yeah. and everything else. So I, I generally like to live a sober life. Mm-hmm. Um, but you know what I mean? Once yeah, in a while. Yeah. 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 Well, it's so nice to meet you. I'm so glad we had this wonderful conversation. And thank you so much for sharing everything. There's so many different layers. I just love it. Can you tell my audience where they can find you and um, see they can hear you and everything? Absolutely. So you can find me on TikTok, Instagram, or Twitter, the same handle. It's Addis Fouché. So just my name, A-D-D-I-S. F-O-U-C-H-E. And that's also my website, addisfouché.com. Take a look if you want to see anything that I've written, any of my BuzzFeed videos. One of them is called First Kisses Kiss Again, where they tracked down my first kiss and I kissed him again. Um, like <laughs> you know, 20 years later, it was very cute. So yeah, you can oh, find wow. me there. All the same spelling, all four of them. Well, thank you so much, sweetie, for coming on Get Schooled. I am Marcella Alonso. You can find me at Marcella Sobella on IG, Facebook, and YouTube. And you can go to MarcellaSobella.com and you can join my Patreon and see this episode. Thank you again, Addis, for coming on Get Schooled. Thank you.